Yeah, man. I mean, in 2019, there's no way you would predict this. I'm, I'm, listen, man, I'm 40 years old. I've never seen this before in my life. Yeah. This is crazy, man. This, this is, this yeah. is, the whole world is locked down right now. Everything's closed. Everything's closed. Including, yeah. including gyms all over the world. Are you able to work out at all right now? Uh, I have a fitness center right here in my neighborhood, but only thing in there is like pull-up bars and cable machines. So besides that, I'm stuck. Oh, damn. And this is the thing. I wonder what's going to happen with like the world's in June because, I mean, everyone, no one's training. Even if it's not locked down by June, I wonder, like, what do you think? I, it, not just worlds, but all these competitions because people can't show up if they haven't been training for months. Like people need... Yeah. A, a decent amount of time to prep for these. It's, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna um, it's gonna be a lot of last minute training to try to get ready for um, competitions now. I know this. Like, is, you know, people hit me up asking me, and I'm like, I I don't know. All the information too is so here and there. And, and what I mean by that is like, you hear a few weeks, and you hear a few months, and you're yeah. like, who knows which way this is gonna fly? Yeah, it's, it's gonna. Um, it's going to be a weird circumstance to see how everything turns out. Yeah. Because people, you don't know when to start training because you don't know when, when the meet's going to be now. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> and, and, and to have adequate training for a competition. You can't, yeah. if you go, like the longer this runs, for, for someone like yourself who doesn't have access to weights, the longer this runs, the longer it's going to be to get back to 100. Yeah. But so, sometimes it's, um, the body needs it. So it's a positive in a way. Yeah. Because I took long times off training and came in better because your body needs it sometimes. How how long do you think is the tipping point for yourself? 30 days. 30 days? Yeah. 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 I mean, 30 days, any kind of nagging injuries are gone. Any kind of roughed up parts of your body are gone. Yeah. But also, yeah, after that, that's when the nervous system starts to check out and say, see ya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, are do you got plans to get some weights and uh, and maybe do some some home lifting or? I could I can travel up and down the road to South Carolina and go to my friend's home gym, but it's just it's, it's like an hour drive. So uh, so it's not an everyday commute you want to make. Yeah, and here's the problem, man. Um, because the weights you're shifting, it works in the reverse. Like if you were to buy weights, you got to buy a lot of weights. Like, you need exactly. a big setup. Exactly. So, I don't know. I guess I do a lot of hop trophy for the next uh, <laughs> three months. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to come in felt jacked. You got yeah. uh, um Yeah, no doubt. What, what do you do? Are you are you able to work from home? What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm back in college right now. So, uh, I got in the military about a year and a half ago. And right now, I'm in college. I'm a bouncer. So, I work oh, the nightlife. So... Yeah, no, I, I can see that, my friend. <laughs> I can <Yeah>. see that, <laughs> So how did you, let's, let's roll it back. Because um, I, I want to get a little background on you. Okay. So first off, when you were growing up, were you always mm-hmm. a big kid? I was. Yeah. I was. Uh, um, my nickname as a kid was Bam Bam. Like from Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. Bam Bam was bigger, bigger than all the other kids. Yeah. So that was me as a kid. <laughs> and, and you have siblings too, right? Yes. And how many how many siblings you got? I have uh, four siblings. I have three sisters and one brother. Oh wow! And where do you fit in that mix? I'm the second oldest. I have an older sister. Okay, 
And are, are your siblings big as well, or are you are you the abnormal one? I'm the abnormal one. Oh, like really? everyone, everyone's like five ten, six foot, but I'm the abnormal one. No kidding, man. So you were just yeah. the guy with those blessed with those genetics. Yeah. See, see, here's the thing. I am. So how tall are you? Six foot. Okay, I'm five nine, and my brother's six one and a half. You know how mm-hmm. bad that 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 bugged me, big growing <laughs> up. He's two yeah. years older, so he's always bigger than me. But my dad's six six. So oh, I, I guess I guess I got the I got the short the short stand of it. sort of, man. Six foot ain't yeah. bad. Six foot ain't bad. I mean, yeah. it's it's weird because powerlifting, man. If you're, I'm a, I'm an eighty three kilo lifter, and at five nine, yeah. I'm like I'm like tall for powerlifting. Yeah. Like we are not. It's all about levers, obviously, right? And uh, yeah. the shorter, stockier individuals in most weight classes are gonna are gonna be at a pretty good advantage in terms of the levers going. Exactly. What, because you were always a big kid, did you, was it like, what kind of sports did you get into when you first started out? Football was the first thing I started playing, between football and basketball. And where, where, where are you from? What state are you from? Um, I say Georgia. I moved around a lot when my dad been in the military, okay. but I stayed in Georgia most of my life. And football in the South is absolutely monstrous. It's huge. It is. It, it's, yeah. like, it's like a freaking religion, my friend. It is. It is. I, for a little while, I was on a reality TV show, and we would like fly around from um, all over North America, and I got to visit like certain cities and states um, yeah. that I may not ordinarily just pop up in. And I was in Alabama and Mississippi, and when I was in oh. Alabama, they were telling me in terms of football. I, I was just asking questions. I'm not a huge football guy, and they yeah. were like, "Man, you don't you don't understand." And they were telling me how college football was bigger than the NFL. And they're like, I yeah. guess there's two, two Alabama colleges that are like number one and two in in the country, and uh, they yeah. were flip flop. They were like rivals. They they were neck and yeah. neck for several years. And I was like, how big is this? And they're like, oh, my friend, when a game is on, it's like fucking the coronavirus outside. There's no one outside. It is. There's like the coronavirus. There's there's nobody. Everyone's in front of the TV watching. That's it. And and they said yeah. when it's a home game. You would have like like the place is packed. You could have the exact same amount of people inside the stadium, outside the stadium, just tailgating exactly. there. It's it's like nothing you've seen. And if you have, if your family has historically followed the one team in Alabama, because there's two, and you, you don't go outside the family history and root for the other team, like that's no, you like. Can't do that. Well, man, that is like that. That you is that. that is enough that your father can't sit down for Christmas dinner with you. You you you've, you've upset him that he lost his appetite. He you know, it's that bad. I'm like, really? And they're like, man, football down here in the South, especially college ball. Um, yeah. Like they 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 watch NFL, but college for some reason is way bigger. Yeah. Why, uh, why is that? You think? In Alabama, because they don't have any proteins in Alabama. No, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's one of the things in the South where, like, even in the United States, like, college football is kind of like superior to NFL football. Oh, really? Yeah. The way I see it. And why do you think that is? It's more, um, the players more dedicated to it because you're playing for, your college, playing for college, not playing for the money yet. Yeah. When you start playing for the money, you stop enjoying it as much. So it's more passion yeah. in the college football. It's it's like for the love of the game, you mean? Yeah. And, he exactly. was, and the thing with like f- 
football in the U.S. For anyone listening that isn't uh, from the from the U.S., because I'm from Canada, but like obviously we see the NFL and, and Canadians are super into football as well. Uh, yeah. Like when the Super Bowl's on, it's like part of culture here. That's why I was trying to explain to some people in Europe. They don't understand. Yeah. So I'm not a big football guy. However, the Super Bowl has become a part of culture in North America to the point where you just watch because you watch and yeah. because, because it's on. And we even, it's part of culture when you have specific foods you eat on that day, like chili and, and people bring in chili and, and beers. And you have yeah. specific, um, like the, the halftime show has become a part of the culture now as well. It's like a, like football in North America is like, it doesn't matter if you watch football, you're sitting down with family and friends and you're watching the Super Bowl. That's what, exactly. it's genius marketing where it's become part of a culture where it's like, no, I'm not into football, but you just got to do it because that's what everyone does in North America. Yeah. It's, but, so you go ahead. I think it's one of those things, even people that don't watch football, they'll still come around the TV with their family and enjoy the cheer for somebody. They don't know who they're cheering for, but they're cheering for somebody because it's like one of those family events. Yeah. Yeah, save me. I'll be like, "Who's the underdog?" Well, give me a story. Give me something to root for. I don't yeah. care. Whatever it is, right? Or if the majority yeah. in the room, I'll just hop on the bandwagon. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, so, did you? What age did you start playing football? I played. I started playing football in third grade. Holy I think I was like, shit, man! Third grade. Yeah, yeah that's my first time working on football. And how did you get into football then? At third grade, did you were you already a fan, or was it your dad that was like, "Let's get him into football"? He's a big kid. Actually, my neighbor. I would just play like out like backyard football. My neighbors. Then his dad was a coach. His dad was like, "You want to play football?" I was like, "Yeah, I play football." My mom was like, "Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just playing football." But once I started playing that year, everything was great. And did you? Was it? It was just touch at third grade, right? No, it, it was tackle. Holy shit! Yeah, full pass tackle. Damn, so what year was this around? That was like 2000. It was like 2005, 2006. And do they have. Is that still the case now where, where third graders are hitting each other? Yeah, like Pop Warner football, like rec, like rec league football, you're still tackling. Wow, it, dude. Like it, it, even, even younger than that, that grade, they're tackling. That's surprising yeah. to me, given like like that. Have you seen the movie Concussion with Will Smith? Yeah. And that's yeah. scary stuff. Like, what we know now about concussions and CTE and whatnot, I'm absolute. I, I'm shocked. So in Canada, uh, football's huge, but hockey's definitely the number one sport. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's tons of hitting in hockey. And when, yes. you get, when you get hit, you hit the ground, it's ice. There's absolutely no give. You, you, yeah. If you get smashed... And you you fall back and your head bounces on the ground. It's bouncing on ice, man. It's concussions. You talking concussions, man? Dudes, yeah. Kind of like football, where there's some guys who are because of CTE. I guess some of the um, side effects of CTE is like mood swings, suicidal thoughts, aggression, etc. Yeah. So um, there were some guys who and in, in in hockey they even have fighting. So dudes yeah. dudes will grab each other, start throwing haymakers and punches, and these are guys who are like six four, six three. 250-pound dudes grabbing each other, throwing blows. And if you get hit in the chin, you got a concussion. And if you fall backwards, well, now you got another. You're just (laughs) bruising a bruised apple. 
And um, so what they did, th- there is no hitting, I believe, until a certain age in terms of hockey. They said, look at me, we can't have kids, you know, in grade school getting concussions like that. So yeah. I'm kind of surprised they, they didn't put that protocol in for football. I think it's one of those things where, uh, like back then, everyone turned the blind the blind eye to it. Everyone's like, oh, they're having fun. But I think nowadays everyone's more precautious, so less people are playing now. Yeah. So most parents are like, uh, I'm going to hold them off from playing type of football until you get some, like, uh, middle school yeah. or high school. But is there is there a non-contact option for football available? Yeah, they have flag football. Okay. So flag football is a thing, but not really at a, um, at a higher level. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it gets – I guess it's part of the culture too. If it doesn't yeah. – if it – it would probably com- – does it completely change – the sport if you take out tackling because here's the thing with hockey um it's definitely a part of it but if you watch kids play hockey and i think there is some contact it's just there's the rules in terms of the contact i think you could bump a guy off the puck but i think there's rules around it but for some sports if you change too much of it it's it doesn't even appear to be the same sport. So people are like, man, why? Like it's like having a boxing match and no contact. It's like what? Yeah. We're, we're dancing around now. Right? Yeah. Same thing with football. Without, without tackling, it's, it's all the aggression taken out of the game. Yeah. So it's like watching people just run around and pull a flag from each other. No one wants to watch that. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the problem. What do you think yeah. is going to happen with football then? Do you think because it could because there's there's what it is, but right. If you go down the route where you're you're like, we don't want to regulate it in terms of contact, okay, because you don't want to take away from the sport, all right, but then on the flip side, good luck trying to get the youth, like like when you're a parent and you're you're going to put your kid in something, what we know now and what we knew in 2005 when you were playing is so different. You know, movies, yeah. like, like that movie Concussion brought so much attention to the issue, and then you have like all these legends, like Junior Seau, who was a pillar in his yeah. community, started showing signs of CTE and he got like aggressive with his wife. He got like, yeah. that's unfortunately that's one of the side effects of CTE of the concussion syndrome is mood swings and aggression and self mutilation. People were tasering themselves. And, and um, when you're a 300 pound physical monster, that's a scary person to all of a sudden get aggressive with people. So now what we know it's, I don't know. What do you think's going to happen with football? I think it was still make, like they're making certain changes to the game, like taking out some plays, like kicking people out of games for certain hits. But I think at the end of the day, people are gonna play what they want to play. So people know, like we know the risk. Yeah. So I feel like with, with everything, we know the risk. Like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to accept the risk. Oh wow. Like, I, I think most people are willing to take the risk to make millions of dollars, or had a chance to make millions of dollars, or have a free education. And that's it. You know, you hit yeah. the right on the head. I'm a huge boxing fan, huge MMA fan, and you have a lot of kids coming out of like the inner cities that don't have the same avenues. And they're like, um, "Yeah, I get it. I know it's going to happen if you box. You're literally getting hit in the head. I don't yeah. have these options. I don't have the options to say no. So I got to do what I got to do. Like, like exactly. you know. So it's different. However, um, you know what you said. Like in terms of you know the risk, you upset, you accept the risk. But some of these, when you're in the third grade, like now, like. I had it back then, 2005, parents didn't know the risk. Now I'm wondering if parents are like, if, if like the smaller leagues, you don't see a lot of it, but then later on when people are, are a little older, it might change the recruiting aspect. You know, because, I mean, look at it. If, if, 
I even think if you're in high school, you might understand, yeah, I got you. You can get concussions. But when yeah. I was, in, I don't know what you, but when I was in high school, I was, I just didn't have that forward thinking, you live in the moment now. I don't care if I know what a concussion is. I don't actually yeah. know the repercussions. So I can't necessarily even make the decision then. Like, oh, I think back, I probably had plenty of concussions playing football. Just um, being on the physical, the physical nature playing linebacker, hit, hitting a lot of people, I probably had plenty of concussions. But really? one of those things, like, yeah, one of those things, like, during the game, like, oh, I just got a headache. I'll be okay. Oh, the headache will go away. So, so sometimes you just push past it. It's, it's, and that's, you know, I mean, it's a scary thing. I know, because I was in high school in the 90s, man. So this is definitely before people knew about um, what we all know about now about concussions. I had buddies. I never played football, but I had buddies who straight up, you could get KO'd in the first half and, and yeah. you might be playing second half. Like it's that, it was yeah. that silly. It was that crazy. It was that show heart. You show heart. You determine, hey, did you see Muhammad Ali get knocked down? He got back up and kept fighting, right? That's what a champion does. And it's yeah. that tough bravado, not knowing not knowing at all what could really happen to this individual. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad we know what we know now. It depends on, I think, the, I, I agree, I don't think the sport will die, but definitely concussion protocols got to change. But concussion yeah. protocols probably already have. They has, like, even, like, they have a whole team of people in the NFL now that reviews film. So let's say I'm on, a, I'm on the field and my eyes flutter a little bit, I'm going to concussion protocol. I'm getting checked uh, for concussion. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so they, they down to that point. Yeah, they got they got uh, far better with testing, and, and yeah, yeah, they know what they're looking for. As a matter of fact, you know what? I was training, doing some strength training with some hockey players up here, and um, throughout the season, they have some hand-eye coordination testing and some a whole bunch of cognitive testing in terms of memory re- recall, etc. To see yeah. if these kids, and I say kids, they were like teens, uh, but just like any sport, while you're in your teens, you got to be on the pathway to NHL already. you got to be in the pathway to NHL, NBA, NFL long before then, if I'm honest. But yeah. um, they will do testing throughout, and they can tell if there's like some slippage. By the time you're in your teens, you should not have any kind of memory recall slippage, hand-eye coordination slippage. They can tell. Um, yeah. Just throughout the season, they're like, look, there's something going on here. we got to pull you. So, yeah, I think you're right in terms of they're far better now. Not just how yeah, you are. How, how you feel, son. If you ask the, the athlete, you know what he's going to oh, say. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Let's play. Um, did you do a lot of weightlifting at the time? Uh, I started weightlifting in middle school. So um, in middle school, we had like, only thing we did in middle school was bench press. Yeah. Okay. The so, bro lift. <laughs> yes. That's all we did in middle school was bench press. It, what, so, you, um, what, how big were you in middle school? I was, I was already five, like five ten. I was like five ten. I was under two hundred pounds then. Well, shit. How old? How old are you in middle school? Twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I, I was like probably one hundred seventy pounds, one hundred sixty pounds back then. Dude, five ten, one hundred seventy pound, thirteen year old is the teacher. <laughs> That's still <laughs> big. Like that is big. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was. I started looking ways then. Then I'm trying to see. Uh, got my first weightlifting set in middle school too. Got a little bench press for the house in middle school. And, and and were you strong right off the bat? Like obviously the technique wouldn't be there, or was it? Like how did did you know what you were doing? I didn't know what I was doing. 
But I, I was I was scrum for my um for my age then. Or even going even going into high school, I was stronger than stronger for my age. Yeah, I bet. It, it, did you? How did you? Like, were you with just weightlifting by yourself? Yeah, um, in the beginning, in middle school, I had my own. Had teammates, middle school teammates for football, so I had them in middle school. Mm-hmm. And when? Yeah. What, at what age did you start doing like squats, deadlifts, and stuff like that? Because you played. So did you play football all through high school as well? Yeah, I played football from third grade all the way to past high school. Okay. Wow, so yeah. you're all in. Yeah, so what was the question you asked? Uh, so when when did you start squatting and deadlifting then? That was my freshman year of high school. And what, what, what kind of, like, again, were you also immediately strong? Like, what are some of your high school numbers? Back then, like, uh, we did a lot of Olympic lifting. So I had you know, like three fifteen for power planes. Like I had to play power plane three fifteen to play football. Like play play bars to the linebacker. I had to play the power plane three fifteen. That's what they told you. You have to power yeah. clean three fifteen. Yeah. Holy so, smokes, man! Yeah, I had uh, I had squatted five hundred back then. So I was I was strong for my age. Yeah, man. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was lifting weights. In, in like, terms. Sorry, you go ahead. You can go ahead. Okay, yeah, so in terms of you against other kids, though, um, who were, like, at that level in terms of football, were you always strong? Was that stronger than every single other kid? Because in terms of um, athletics, they say, like, the NFL is, like, you know, the tip of the spear when it comes to athletes and A-level athletes and whatnot. You see some – you see 360-pound men who are running the 40-yard dash with just ridiculous speeds. You know, scary speeds. And then you picture, look at this guy's crashing into somebody. You know, that's yeah. why people get mangled in football. <laughs> um, but for a kid to be squatting 500 pounds and cleaning 315 pounds, three plates a side, that's like a, for our European listeners, that's like 143 kilo. To be cleaning that and you're still essentially a child. You know, you're not yeah. even a full grown man yet. I mean, that's some crazy. I think, I, I think I was when that, that was around when I was 16. I was doing that. In turn, was there other people in the room who could do that as well? Or was this just you were far and away stronger? Everyone could probably clean about the same amount as me, but as for squats, I was squatting more than everyone else. Yeah, I bet. Oh, wow. So how yeah. did you end up transitioning then? Like, did you know about powerlifting at the time? Was that even in your in the forefront of your mind? I didn't. I, I never heard of powerlifting until I, turned, until I was like 23. That's when I first heard about powerlifting. Oh, wow. So like 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 twenty one, like twenty one. I heard about powerlifting like four years ago. That's that my first heard about That was four years ago. Yeah, four years ago I heard about powerlifting. And how did you hear about powerlifting? I was in I was in Korea, and uh, one of the guys was like, "Hey man, I got a competition." Now here I thought it was like a thousand pound club competition. I was like, "Okay, I do a thousand pound club." That was my first taste. Then um, this one girl was like, "You do good at powerlifting." I was like, "What's powerlifting?" Showing powerlifting was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Went back to Texas, and then um, I got into powerlifting. And Texas is the spot to go. It, yeah. It's it's insane how many world champions are spawned out of Texas. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, a lot of I don't I don't even know why it's such a hotbed for for powerlifting, but you got like Orhi, Ray Williams, it's crazy. And, and and Texas, they start young. Like when I lived in Texas for a little bit, when I was refereeing in Texas. 
like middle, middle school, high school, everyone's powerlifting already. I know. Yeah. It's like part of the culture of Texas. For, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I wish I would have started that young. I was weightlifting, but I wasn't powerlifting. That's Same. a whole other deal. And, and um, why were you in Korea? Oh, I was in the military. So when did you end up going into the military? I went in the military in 2013. And how old were you then? Was that straight out of high school? I was... That was one year at the high school, so I was uh, 19. Hmm. And in I went in 19. And, and what was, what's the military like? Like, was that where you learned discipline and, and goal setting and motivation, et cetera? Like, what was your motivation yeah. to get to the military? Oh, uh, so when my dad being there, my granddad being there, it was one of those, those generational things where I felt it was one of those things I had to do. Um, I already had the motivation and discipline from my dad. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, once I, once I went there, it was, it was more of a, um, a thing of me thing. So what can I do to progress myself? That's one thing the military taught me. Gotcha. So you, so how much of the world did you travel when you're in the military? Between Georgia to Korea, Georgia to Texas, Texas to Korea, Korea back to Texas, Texas to Hawaii. Then I got out of Hawaii, came back to Georgia. Oh wow! And what's Korea like? What were you doing there? Did you have to actually see combat, or were, what was your? No. Okay. Oh well, that's. Good. Oh, oh. Yeah, over there, it was um, back when the tensions were high with North Korea, basically on standby for if anything happened. Um, but besides that, it was, it was nice. It was real, real relaxed over there. Yeah, hey, listen, man, there was a little bit of tension for a hot minute a couple of years ago. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. like, oh, shit, is this going to be the big one? You had uh, Kim Jong-un and, and Trump eyeball to eyeball talking tough, man. It was. Yeah. Were you yeah. over there when that was happening? Yeah, I was over there when they, when they fired the missile and everything. I was over there for all that. And what were you thinking with it? Because Trump came out and said, um, he called him Rocket Man because he fired, like you said, a rocket. And he goes, listen yeah. to me. He's like, listen to me. Rocket Man's on a suicide path, a suicide mission if he keeps this up. And when you hear stuff like that coming out and Trump making threats like that, and obviously North Korea's making threats right back, be like, if you want it, you know, you can have it. You know, they were yeah. going to... Were you thinking, holy smokes, this could happen? Thing is, when we first heard about the missiles and everything, everyone was out on the town drinking. They were like, <laughs> all, right, uh, all right, guys, everyone get, everyone get back. We got to get ready. I'm like, get ready. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so it's kind of like a, a shock moment. It's like, oh, well, it's time to get serious now. You're yeah. not a party anymore. That'll sober you up right quick. What's the, what's the South Korean culture like? It's amazing. It's um, they party a lot. Do they? Yeah, they party a lot. It's um, it's real relaxed. It's different than anywhere anywhere I've ever been before. Is it a? I remember I had TD on here. Um, this is a few years back. I can't remember where he went to. It might have been Japan. Was, and, he went to Japan. And um, and he said, uh, a like because the people are a lot smaller, right? And, yeah. and, and B, because they're far more isolated, especially Japan, it's an island. And for yeah. many, many, many years, there's not a lot of uh, expats, I think they call them, or tourists coming in. So the fact that he's a 400-pound black man walking around, people are like, 
holy shit, this guy must be famous. So this, what's the story on this dude? He said yeah. he went to the movies, and, and after the movie, people were waiting outside the movie to take pictures and autographs. With him. <laughs> and I, they, they didn't know he was like, I mean, he's one of the strongest men in the world. But they yeah. just were like, who the hell is this guy? They've never seen yeah. something like that. It's just not something they're accustomed to. You know, um, when he's walking around in the malls and downtown, people are taking pictures of him and the whole night. Like, holy smokes. Whereas if yeah. you're, in, you're in Texas, Dudes play football. You you got you know it's it's nothing overly crazy, right? Like make four hundred pound man, yes, but still. Um, how did they yeah. respond to you when they seen you walking around? Were, are you, were you were you still as big at the time? I was big, but I wasn't as big back then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was as big back then. <laughs> <laughs> and what was their reception to you, the, the locals from South Korea? Like you, um, in the area I was in, it was more military. It was like the military has been over there for so long. That everyone saw you as the military, so we really didn't get the uh, the full cultural uh, feel for everyone. Yeah, over there. yeah. You know, it's it's because in terms of like North America, because we're yeah. relatively new compared to all these other countries from around the world. You know, I mean, yeah. like Canada, America, we've been around for like a, a two or three hundred years, but that's like nothing compared to you know some of these other nations that have been around literally for like thousands of years so we yeah. are when you, we look around you know i'm just outside of toronto when i look around toronto yeah man i see nothing but like a melting pot of all these different cultures and ethnicities and, and that's that's nothing for us when you go to like japan korea it you look around like basically all you see are japanese people and south korean people you know what I mean? Like you don't see like if you if you look around you see a black dude or a white dude you're like oh shit what are you doing here you know, it's it's so yeah. different. Um, so the reaction to it, it's so abnormal for them to see other people like that. Which, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a totally different scenario over here in North America. Exactly. It means nothing to us. Which we see everyone. <laughs> That's it, man. We're used to it. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, when you, so when you heard about powerlifting, how, how, how did you hear about it? Uh, oh, I guess somebody was saying you should pick it up. And, and obviously things worked out well. But who did you reach out to? And how did you find out about like the USAPL, et cetera? And who were some of the people, you know, when you first started sinking your teeth into this? Um, the first person I reached out to was uh, Johnny Graham, the, the VP of uh, the USAPL. It's a good dude. It's a good dude yeah, to reach out to. That's the first person I trained, uh, I trained under him for my first uh, my first year. Like he was the first person to teach me everything about powerlifting. And what year was this? That was 2000. What year was that one? What year? What, what year did raise five thousand pounds? Uh, I think two thousand sixteen, my man. So two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. My first year piloting. That was uh my first year talking to him. You had some pretty good progress, sir. Yeah. And did you? So when you first got involved, did you, did you even know who Ray Williams and all these other people were? I didn't meet. I didn't meet. Um, my first time getting a, a glimpse of who everyone was was at the Worlds in Killeen, Texas. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I, I was I was spotting and loading for everyone. Everyone was like, oh, that's Ray Williams. I was like, oh, that's Ray Williams. Then you see him come to the back. I'm like, wow. Dude, uh, that's the first IPF World Championships I was commentating in. I, I was um, I was spotting and loading there. Dude, I spotted. we might have met each other <laughs> in person. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that, like, you know, you could have somebody spotting and loading and they're new to the sport, they're wide-eyed, they're like, holy smokes. 
and a few years later, they're doing what you're doing, winning silver at the at the nationals and squatting 903 pounds, uh, 400, 903, right? Is that what you hit? 903, yeah. Yeah, 410 kilo for a European friends. And like, it's crazy how that works. It, it, it makes you, it reminds me to, to remain humble. Because you don't know who yeah. you, that new dude, a new girl that reached out to you and wants a little bit of help, and you ask where their numbers are at, and they don't know, and they're wet behind the ears. You don't know in a few years' time what they're going to be doing. You don't know. You you don't know that that person who's spotting or just in the crowd watching. You don't know where the the next big star is coming out of. In a exactly. Few, in powerlifting, people come out of nowhere, man, and people's numbers just start shooting up. Yeah. What was, what was that like for you? Colleen, Texas was actually the first world championships that I was commentating in, but also the first world championships that I had seen live. What was yeah. that experience like for you? Especially, look, spotting and loading is freaking, it, people will talk about it. It can be terrifying, man. If, if you, it is. I can't believe you did that when you weren't like really into powerlifting yet because I have been, I've been doing powerlifting since like 2007. And um, when, I, when I spot load even now, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I don't fuck this up. I hope I don't misload it. And when I'm spotting, I hope I don't, you know, come in too late so someone gets hurt or come in too early. Yeah. If you come in too early, you take that person's lift. Yeah, that's all. Um, remember the Kelly Branton lift? Yeah, wait, was that you? Yeah. Oh, I, was back, I, I, I was I was, I was a spotter. Oh, was you the backspotter? Yeah. That went viral. Yeah. That went viral, my yeah, friend. I was, I, I was, I was a spotter for that. Dude, your nerves must have been rattled. Watching that, he was convulsing. Yeah, thank you. After that squat, I was like, all right, Ray's coming out here squatting more weight than him. But him, him and um, Jezza was coming out. I was like, well, now I got to <laughs> I I follow this up. For anyone listening, all right. So, Kelly Branton uh, in Killeen, Texas, he, he loaded up a spot, or a squat, sorry. And, yeah, I mean, he just, A, he, he I mean, it was a failed attempt, obviously. But he somewhat got trapped under the bar because he couldn't keep going up, right? He couldn't, his body he, just shut off or something, right? Like, he didn't make it out of the hole. You know, with us bigger guys, you can't get under us yeah. too much. Or you're going to get caught. You're always going to get caught under us. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't want to get too close and too too far under him that I, I take his look away. Yeah. So when, when, when he didn't come out of the hole, I'm like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> we got to get him up. And that's the thing, too. You're 100% right. Like, all right, when you're when you're when you're spotting for an, a 93 or an 83, yeah, your arms can go up underneath, follow yeah. them down, or um, I mean, some people don't like to do that because if a thousand pounds goes backwards into your arms, I mean, obviously there's other spotters as well, but you could blow both biceps. I mean, man, spotting is not fucking easy. I don't even know what the best way. Some people do the over the top grabbing of the bar. It's not you're not going to do anything with that. It, <laughs> it, 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 Honest to God, probably is you're you're damned when you're the back spotter. Okay, if it's a seventy four, etc., and you're a huge man like yourself, you might be able to handle a certain amount of weight. When it's a, a three, Kelly's like pushing four hundred pounds at the time. When a guy's that big, your arms are not going around him. Your arms aren't going under his arms under the bar. You just can't get in. There's not at the bottom of the squat. There was there's a fucking wall down there. You're not getting in there and then on the flip side if your hands are like positioned over top of the bar where you're gonna kind of upright row it if he bails you ain't doing a fucking thing when he's got a thousand yeah. pounds 400 kilo on there yeah he, i think he had like not he had like 900 pounds on the bar 
Plus, it's their, their body weight at that point, so it's like 1,300 pounds you're trying to lift up off from the bottom of the hole. Dude, I, I remember um, when I was spotting and loading and the big boys came out, and I would spot and load at least once a year. I would tell myself, I have to get back to the sport. Now I'm doing all this other stuff, so I feel good that I don't have to keep doing that because I'm doing like all the commentating and, and King Alyssa stuff. But I, yeah. before all this, I would tell myself, at least once a year I got spot and load because if you don't get back, the sport doesn't move. The sport doesn't move forward. Like everybody's got to give something. You can't just sit at the table and do nothing but eat. So um, I was spot and load. And whenever the big boys came out, nobody was cheering them on more than me because I'm like, fuck, man, don't make me like, spot. Please, don't fail. <laughs> yeah, you're like, please, man. How you feeling today? How you feeling yeah. today? Please stay within your range. You know, don't go for yeah. YOLO PR attempt. Uh, yeah. But when Kelly couldn't get out of the hole, it was weird because he was like, so he was stuck. And you guys had to jump in there, and um, and he like projected himself out of that hole. Like he like I, flew out. I pushed him. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense because you can't see that. So that makes yeah. sense because he couldn't get out for a second, and he was like stuttering, and he couldn't he couldn't help you guys lift it up, and he couldn't yeah. he couldn't get out of it because the weight was on his back. So he needed yeah. assistance. Man, okay, well, you did the right thing then. You got him the yeah. hell out of there as quickly as possible. It, 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 it's better to push him out of the way and let them have weight to crush, crush down on somebody. That's yeah. the last thing you want to see. Well, that's it. And he was, at that point, because he's stuck in the hole, he couldn't help you in terms of yeah. getting it up. Exactly. You know, so he had to, you had to hit the eject button, so to speak. Yeah. And it was, it yeah. was, it was crazy because he hit the ground. It looked like the man was convulsing. It looked like the yeah. man was going into a seizure. And, um, dude, I was commentating for that session, and I'm like, uh, you don't even, I, and this is awesome, so that's your first time spotting loading, that's my first time commentating, that's my first world championships I was commentating, yeah. so I'm still, I'm a rookie commentator at that point, I don't even know what the hell, you know when, like, something's happening live in front of you, it's live, man, and you also yeah. are live on a worldwide broadcast, and you're like, I don't know what the, what the like, I can't drop F-bombs, but I'm also yeah. concerned as shit, you know, I know Kelly. He's from Canada, too. We're yeah. from Ontario. And it's like, you're just like, oh, Jesus, I hope he's yeah. okay. But um, it's crazy, though, because he got up off the ground. It looked like he was convulsing. He got up off the ground. He benched. It was, it was, it was perfectly fine the rest of the meet. <laughs> he benched. He deadlifted. He won a bronze medal overall. Yeah. I mean, the guy the guy was, yeah, he was all right. After that, okay, so I look at when I was spotting and loading, I don't care if it's 74s because I'm nervous as shit. I'm going to take somebody's lift from them. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I remember one time I was, I was spotting and I think I jumped in too soon. And I remember Abby, who's the Canadian national coach was like, dog, I think you jumped in a little too soon there. And yeah. the lifter, you could always protest. If you feel like the spotter jumped in too soon for you, you could protest. The lifter did not. So maybe, yeah. maybe I didn't jump in too soon because the lifter could always be like, nah, I think I would have had that and, and go to the jury. He didn't. But, yeah. um, uh, so that's why, like, I hate that feeling, man. You don't, if a Kelly Brayton situation happens, I mean, you couldn't, if it's in the bottom of the hole, you can't, there's nothing you can do about it anyways. But then the other part is, what if you jump in too soon and take someone's lift? So already, it's such a, it's like, it's like a, an official for any sport. You yeah. don't recognize the officials in, in the NBA, NFL, NHL, boxing. You don't recognize the referees and the judges and anything until they do something wrong and then everybody exactly. jumps on you. Exactly. It, it, that's that's the only time. It's like there there are very few thank yous. You know, when you catch someone or do something right, nobody's doing thank you. You fuck anything up, they're all over you. 
Yeah, then if you do, then if you don't. That's right. That's right, man. And did you see when that thing started jumping around going viral, what were you thinking about that when people were posting that all over the place? They still bring it up. I was like, thank God people don't know my name. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dude, do not at me. You're, and that's the thing, too, when you're like, look, at this is the first time. Look, at, I'm new to the sport. I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to help out. I, yeah. I, it's a volunteer position. You know, this is my first year in the sport, and I'm like, let me, let me, let me give a little back. Let me get my feet wet and see what's up. Yeah. Uh, like, was, but then with all the comments, everyone's like, oh, the best fighter did his job. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> oh, did they? Okay. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah. Well, I mean, look, at the, in that situation, yeah, it's a tough one. Some people, there might be sometimes, I think somebody who's kind of spotting a little funny where he's trying to lift it with his arms and not his body. And, yeah. uh, all right, man, you ain't arm curling 900 pounds, my man. Nah. We're one of the side spotters lifting like that, but yeah, it is what it is. So after this happens, and you're like, holy shit, when Jizz and Ray come up, are you like, whoa, I think I'm in over my head? <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, sitting, I'm sitting here like, man, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't imagine. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, you got it, you got it, you, you, you do good. I'm like, all right, now I'm saying here, Judge comes out, he blows it up. I'm like, yes. Then Ray comes out, I'm like, all right, he's hype. I hope he gets it. Dude, when Ray gets hyped too, when he does this whole, like, he's like a bull about the charge. When he does that bull charge thing where he's stomping his foot and he's like, come on. And he's like running at that thing. Yeah. Man, you get I, chills. Yes. You, you, you get chills watching it. You, 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 you straight up do get chills when, you, when you're watching these things live. You know, it's one thing to watch this on live stream, and you get it. But yeah. for anybody who ever has the opportunity, if the World Championships comes within a driving distance of you, show up. I, I, I can't tell you what it's like to see like one of the world's strongest men we've ever seen, in terms yeah. of like what he squats, what what Ray's pieced together in his career. When you watch somebody like that do their thing, you you I, I'm, and they got they got a thousand pounds. 450 kilo, 55 kilo, et cetera, on their back. It, yeah. it, it is, it, you, you've never been more present in your life in terms of like, holy shit. And I can yeah. only imagine, my friend, when you're a newbie to the sport and you are the back spotter. I remember, I remember once he walked out, everyone went quiet. I remember him saying lightweight. It's, it's part of everyone's energy. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's um the anxiety I felt. I can only imagine the anxiety if you earned your slice of pizza. If that's what they give me because you're just a volunteer. But the anxiety, <laughs> man, the adrenaline and anxiety you have, uh, man. It, did you even spot and load for any local meets, or did you go straight up into the world championships? I did some local. Let me see. Let me think. I was spotting and loading all the time for everyone. Like we had a whole team, so I was spotting and loading in the gyms. But that was your first competition. Yeah. I think so. I think oh, my first competition. Shit, dude. Look at spotting. Yeah, I think so. Spotting and loading in the gym is not the same. Here's the difference. When you're in the, when you're at a competition spotting and loading, um, you have like they, they time you. You gotta be quick on that loading. Yeah. And that's where you can misload. When you're in the gym, it's like, whatever. Let me double check the weight. Let me take my time real quick. Yeah, I'll take my time. Let me double check. Is that the right weight? Yeah, that's right. But does that look good to you? All right, cool. And then it's it it is what it is. Um, I can't believe that was your first time too, Trey. Look yeah. at, dude, that was my first time commentating. I think we got a baptism by fire together, my friend. 
Yeah. <laughs> we got PTSD from this 2016 World Championships. That was rough, man. Yeah. That was, that was rough for both of us. After that was done, were you like, holy smokes, this is intense. Yeah. What am I getting into? <laughs> yeah, it was a wake-up call. It was like, well, I guess you got to pay attention more. And who would have thought from, you know, you you spotting and loading and in, in the position you did with Ray Williams, and you're like, holy smokes, like the nervousness you had with that big squat. And that's, and that's 2016 and everything you went through that day, that in 2019, three years later, you would be battling out with Ray Williams. And that shit, my friend, was a battle for the, for, for the U.S. national title. A battle, hey, look, it's, look, it's Ray Williams. You know, people would have yeah. thought, nah, Ray got this. And that shit was tight. You know, that, that, it, it came close, right? Yeah. And who would have thought three years later, if that young man in Killeen, Texas, who's scared out of his mind and nervous, you know, it, it backspotting, if someone would have pulled you aside in Killeen, Texas and said, you know, in three years, you're going to be going toe-to-toe with this man? Oh, you're crazy. Because <laughs> back then, my eyes was on, was on Andy Oscar. I was like, I got to get, get past Andy before I get past anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you realize like at the time? Did you realize the potential he had? Did you even dream that you'd be doing what you're doing now, taking silver medal, battling out with Ray Williams, and and being up there with these guys? I don't know. I said I didn't think about it. It's, it's one of those things like playing sports stuff. Like you always want, you always look at the top. You don't look anywhere in between. You look at the, the top person. And you just try to be up there where they at one day. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because when I talk to people um, who end up. In positions like you are, right, where you're, you know, you're ranked in the top five worldwide, etc. Um, you know, I, I like asking them when they first got in. I think almost everybody likes to picture themselves at the top and picture, but it's almost like you dream, right? Like it's okay yeah. to dream. I think everybody should have a dream and chase it. And some people, when, when some people like, you're never going to get to the top. They never end up being at the top, whether it's number one or the top ten. Or some people, they're just going to be in the middle of the pack. And yeah. for people who live inside their comfort zone, they look at those people and they honestly sometimes will say, like, feel sorry for that guy. Feel sorry for that girl. You know, they're a dreamer. And, and that, that shit just isn't going to happen. But yeah. on the flip side, I feel far more sorry for some kid who doesn't have a dream. I don't feel sorry for someone chasing a dream. I don't care if it happens or not. It's, it's the chasing. It's the believing. It's the setting the goals. It's waking up with a passion. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand people who wake up and don't have passion and don't have something. Exactly. I, I don't get it. I don't relate to that. Yeah, you don't make it far like that. Without any passion or any dreams, you won't make it far. It, it's like, imagine a life like that, man, living inside your comfort zone and not shooting. And when people, I, I remember at work, there was a kid, this is back in the day, there was a kid who wanted to make it to the NBA. And my man made it to like college, um, Canadian college basketball. Which is yeah. all right, and they won. You know, they they won the um, Canadian College Basketball Championship, and he was MVP. It's all right. It's not Division One U.S. It's not. He sure shit didn't make it to the NBA. And I remember yeah. sitting at a table at lunch, and one of the ladies, the older ladies, when he left the table, and he was talking about his dreams, what he wanted to do at the time, and this is when he's playing for that college ball. And the lady's like, "Man, I feel sorry for that kid. He's a dreamer. That that that's not gonna happen." And I remember thinking, like, you feel sorry for him? Like, I maybe it doesn't happen. But this kid is, he's, it's the pursuit. 
It's yeah. the journey. It's 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 that the discipline waking up every day. It teaches you discipline when you have a goal. It's the goal setting. It's the oh, and by the way, now that same kid. So he won MVP, and yeah, he didn't make it to NBA, but now he's actually a, a, a professional coach for college ball, and he flies around the world doing this. So maybe you fall short of the NBA, but he's still living. He's fucking getting paid to coach basketball. Living, living a dream. That's it, man. And, and, and that's why I don't get, like, it doesn't matter if that kid goes all the way. You know, don't feel sorry for a kid chasing a dream. Feel sorry for that kid who doesn't have a dream to chase. Yeah. You know, that's somebody I feel sorry for. Um, and that's why it's, it's, it's interesting when I, when sometimes when I talk to individuals like in your situation and it's like, did you, did you have a dream or did you honestly know? Like at that point in Texas, like, I mean, that's a baptism by fire, my friend. When you walk away from Ray Williams and Kelly and Jezza, you know, did you leave that thinking, oh, fuck, man, there's no way I could do that. I, I hope one day, but. That's intim- That's like one of those, man, I can't even picture that. Or did you walk away thinking, who knows? Maybe. Maybe I could yeah. do that. I, I walked away thinking like, okay, it, it gave me a, a, a new view on things. Because when you're just doing local meetings, you, you don't know all the bigger fish out there. When you finally see everyone, you're like, okay, I got some work to do. Yeah. I think it was, it was like a wake-up wake up call for me. It was like, okay, let's get to work. But you thought you could get there. Yeah. 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 See, that's it's 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 crazy to wrap your head around. Like, what was your spot or your spot your squat like at the time, 2016 range? Let me look up real quick. I think I, I was I was already squatting 600, but I was doing that. No knee sleeves. No no nothing. Just no belt even. No, I was just squatting 600. I was using the little, the little nylon gym belts. Yeah. I was using those squatting 600 oh, pounds. Wow, man, the little those. 80s bodybuilder style belt. Yeah. That's not even a belt, man. That's like a friendship bracelet around your waist. That ain't doing so, nothing. One, one, one of those and some the Harbinger wrist with wraps. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is too cute. And how much did you weigh at the time? I was I was like 260. You know what? I fucking think I remember you now that I'm thinking about it. I, I swear to God, I want to go back and watch those videos. It's so crazy yeah. to me that that was you. Well, man, yeah. I want to go back and see how many people, spotters on loaders, ended up being, you know, breaking these records and being, being somebody who <laughs> the sport. Um, so you're 216. How much do you weigh now? Uh, right now, I'm 355. Oh, dude, you put on 100 pounds. Yeah. Well, so how, how did that, uh, that was a conscious effort, obviously. Yeah. It's an enjoyment. <laughs> it's an enjoyment. Yeah, that's, that's easy in, in terms of... Uh, I mean, cutting's not the funnest thing in the world and maintaining all year round on macros. But the opposite sometimes, I've had people on where they describe, look at the opposite isn't always the funnest either. Like some people, I've had professional strongman on. I had um, uh, Bl- Blaine Sumner, who obviously yeah. an equipped world champion. And he was saying he does like, I don't want to miss, I think eight to 10,000 calories a day. And to get the proper calories in, because he's floating around, I think he's around your size as well. Uh, maybe a little heavier. He's a, he's a big dude, nonetheless. And he, to get enough calories to be that size, he's doing shakes that are chicken shakes with like rice. He's doing meals. He's basically yeah. grinding up meals into a shake form so that he could down it almost like, I, I want to say liquid, but that's probably not the best way to describe a fucking chicken and rice shake. 
I mean, it sounds disgusting. It does. But you just apparently, when you do it every day, like that's discipline, right? That's like a whole nother level of discipline and sacrifice to meet his goals. Did you have to, what do you got to do to gain like a hundred pounds like that? I don't eat enough. That's, that's That's the weirdest part about it. Like all my friends that help me, help me with dieting and stuff like that, I don't eat enough. I probably eat like two meals a day. What? Dude, yeah. two meals a day? I, I barely, I, like, I rarely eat a lot. What are those meals? Are they like a small child each? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be big. Like, like whenever I'm like in, competition, in, in prep for a meet, like I probably eat like for dinner, like a pound of beef, like two cups of rice. Okay. A lot. Well, okay, that's a decent meal. That's a decent do, do you know? Do you know how many calories you end up eating a day? I can imagine. It's, it's under 2,500. Holy shit. How is, yeah. this, how is this possible, my friend? So how how little were you eating when you were 260? You were a vegetarian. No, back, back then, I was focused more on bodybuilding stuff back then. So like I was eating chicken, rice, broccoli, salmon, tilapia. I was eating everything bodybuilding-wise when I was 260. So you were like, you were consciously trying to be smaller at the time, trying to get his yeah. jacked up. Gotcha. And then later on, you're like, fuck it, let's YOLO this. But that's not even YOLOing me. Look, at, I eat more than you. I eat more than you, dog. Yeah. Like, when I was, I would say, when I was in Hawaii, when I first started gaining weight, I was eating everything in Hawaii. Like, anything I saw, I was eating in Hawaii. What's, what's, because you were around, you were in South Korea, Hawaii, obviously, various parts of the U.S., what's got the best food? Hawaii. Oh, really? What's, what's Hawaiian food like? It's, it's so many different things. It's like a, a touch of everything over there. Yeah? I love, yeah. Um, I mean, I love Hawaiian pizza, but I don't know if that's yeah. even actually Hawaiian or we just call it Hawaiian pizza because there's pineapple on it, you know? <laughs> it, 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 it's not Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> I didn't think so, man. I had a feeling. Hawaiian people are like, man, get the fuck out of here. That's not Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't toss pineapples on it and call it Hawaiian. That's right. That's exactly That's all it is. Um... Have you ever been? I love Jamaican food. I like, I like some jerk, I like jerk chicken and stuff like that too. Dude, I I love Jamaican food. I fucking yeah. love Indian food. I love butter, um, butter butter chicken with naan bread. Oh man, I, I never had that before. Oh man, with rice, dude. Yeah. We should talk because I'll I'll get you up to ten thousand calories and you you'll be five hundred <laughs> pounds and you'll be. Okay. I'm trying to still look good a little bit. <laughs> well, that's true too. There, there is the balance there. Uh, yeah. So when you, so is there like, is this? Do you think this is the cap where you want to be in terms of size then? Yeah, um, I'm actually trying to cut down right now because I don't want, I don't want to be this close to 350 year round. Yeah. I want to be like, like 320, 330. Here's the thing. I mean, you don't. You're pretty jacked up. I mean, it's not like you look like some obese dude walking around. I seen the pictures you posted on Instagram. Like you, you, you're a jacked up dude. Like you, you are definitely built. You got the frame and everything. It's not like you're walking around. Everyone knows you lift. Um, to cut down though, I mean, I don't think you want to eat too much less than twenty five hundred, unless you're eating more calories than you think. I just got. I got to eat more, basically get my metabolism back on track. That's right. You know what? It's it's. So I before I got into powerlifting, I didn't know a damn thing about metabolism, calories, the whole thing. A dude like Elaine Norton really brought into the full for powerlifters, you know, nutrition. Before Lane Norton came, I don't want to put it all on Lane Norton, but at least for myself, but he's he's the biggest social media influencer we have in terms of nutrition for sure. Yeah. And before Lane Norton, 
we didn't realize like you can condition your metabolism like you can condition your central nervous system. And that's talking powerlifter talk. We understand yeah. about conditioning the nervous system. When people are like, you know, out, outside people in the general population, the gen pop, if you will, when they look at how does this 160-pound man, um, 163-pound man, a 74-kilo boy, out squatting, you know, or out lifting a guy who's 10 kilo more, 30 kilo more, and we explain it's not just size of muscles, it's the engine of the car, so the nervous system, and you can condition that nervous system. We, I didn't really fully know you know, we, I'm back in the day, I'm going to speak for all powerlifters generally, didn't know you can condition your metabolism, not only to jack it up with calories over time, but you can, so then you could slash your calories, lose a fuckload of weight because your, your metabolism is running so high. Yeah. But also, when you lose all the weight and you, and you slash your calories, slowly your metabolism will start to drop over time because you're eating less calories. However you can slowly increase your calories. So instead of, let's say you're eating 4,000 calories, slash it to 2,000 calories, you're going to start losing weight like a motherfucker because your yeah. metabolism is at 4,000. But exactly. once, once you hit your body weight goal, you can eat 2,100 one week. The next week, every day, 2,200. The next week, every day, 2,300. And you will slowly increase your metabolism back up, but your body weight will stay where you want it. Yeah. And that was new. I didn't know you could, so you could end up at your new body weight you always wanted. You can end up eating 3,000, maybe not the 4,000 you start off with, maybe it's 3,500 now, but you can actually keep your body weight down. And that's why when other people, like in the general population, they do a diet, they lose that weight. It's like, my friend, you are not going to be maintaining this diet the rest of your life. That is a damn lie. You know it. So when you start eating normal again and your your metabolism slowed, you are gaining that weight back and probably... Exactly. Double. <laughs> yeah, double. Because your metabolisms yeah. if you ate the same as you did before, your, your metabolism's so low, it's slowed down. And exactly. they don't know. And it's like, well, how do you, you know, maintain all year and you eat what you eat? You, oh, you got good genetics. I mean, genetics is a role. I'm never going to be the size yeah. of you and pushing the weight you've got. We are, you, you got what you got, but you can maximize what you have. So I, you know, I did my metabolism, I, I conditioned my metabolism to be so. And at the end of the day, yeah. if I'm not hungry, I have to eat the same amount of calories just to keep my metabolism rocking and rolling. Eating more can yeah. make you smaller, which is funny. Some people don't get it. They, they don't believe it either. <laughs> I mean, it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It sounds counterintuitive. Are you, are you planning on getting a coach to, to help you in terms of the body weight cut in the whole night? Yeah, yeah. Who who you who are you coaches by the way? Uh, I don't have a coach right now. I coach myself. Oh no, kidding, dude! Wow. Yeah, I, I, ne- I, I, ne- I never had a coach. You've never? No, I, I, I always coach myself. Holy smokes! Even in the beginning, when you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I, I was just going there doing everything by feel. All thing Johnny Granville will say, "All right, calm down." <laughs> uh, you, you, you. <laughs> Hey, hey, let me say something. Sometimes it's all a coach needs to say. Yeah, right? so, like, they don't want to go higher. Like, all right, you're done for the day. Yeah. All right, I'll go do some accessories. You know what? Look, in terms of staying in the pocket, as they say, that sometimes is the best advice you can give somebody. If nothing else, yeah. it could be like, look, you do what you want. That's honestly, because I was about to say, and this now makes sense to me. Yeah. So when people coach themselves, the biggest danger you have is not staying in the pocket, peaking too early, leaving your best in the gym. By the time you get to the to whatever competition it is, you've already maxed out too much or flown too close to the sun. So maybe not a max, but too damn close to a max. 
You're hitting that yeah. three weeks out. You're hitting that three weeks out. So three weeks out, your nervous system is, here we are. But you've hit too many of the lifts that week. You know, the squat, the dead, the bench. Too many of the sets were too close to the sun. So you're actually coming back down by the time the competition comes. So yeah. when you, some people can devise a good program and they know their body better than anyone else, but they don't have that um, self-awareness to, to not leave the best in the gym. And that's where, yeah. look at if, if Johnny Graham does nothing else but tell you every now and then, put his hand on your shoulder and be like, my man, let's, let's leave the top set at that weight for the day. That sometimes yeah. is all you need. Yeah. Is that is that eyeball to be and, and, and as long as it's the person you respect, which you guys an OG, you will. Yeah, but, but after after um I think after training with someone like, like that for a while, you start getting an eye for yeah. what they're looking at. So it's like, all right, let's stop right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Who are you kidding? That was it. Let's yeah, leave it there. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> everyone's like, oh look everyone looks like, oh look season like, nah uh, You know what? <laughs> <it's all for laughs> There's always that cheerleader in the gym who's like 10 kilo more, 20 kilo more. And it's like, there's always that dude who wants to see a little bit more on the bar. Oh, that moves so easy. But you kind of know internally, look at, I, I coach, I coach people as well. And um, for us, like Paul, the, my buddy Paul, who does some of the co-hosting uh, co on King of Lifts sometimes. He's that dude in the gym, man. When, I, when I'm, Kathwe, who also does the co-hosting on the podcast, he's broken IPF world records and whatnot in, in yeah. the 83s. He's the Canadian champ, 83. Yeah. And um, when he's in the gym and I'm not in the gym and he's doing a top single for the day and we had previously discussed what that top single should be. And uh, I'm like, all every now and then I'll ask him, who's in the gym with you right now? And, he, and he'll name some people <laughs> and I'll be like, is Paul there? And he's like, yeah, Paul's there. I go, listen, man. Now all of a sudden I'm getting a little nervous. I'm like, do not listen to this man. You know, don't let Paul, you have to stay at this cap because I know Paul's in his ear. Oh, that was fast. That was easy. Yeah. It, it, it sometimes the way it feels isn't, or sorry, sometimes the way it looks isn't the way it feels. Oh, exactly. You know when you're revving the engine. Caffrey doesn't. Yeah. Caffrey doesn't grind often. When when he's lifting, some dudes, it's always going to be fast. Oh, that was fast. Yeah, but they're all fast until they're not. Until the very last. Until the very end. I mean, that's me. Like, it's either going to be fast or it's not coming up. That's so, so, <laughs> so that's when it's hard to gauge, right? When yeah. it's like, um, so and some people they start grinding early. They, they, they just, they slow down and they slow down, but they could, when they slow down, they got another 30, 40, 50 kilo. And it doesn't mean they're at the end. It is yeah. literally like, you know, it's, it's so individual. It's really tough. It's really difficult. I think in yeah. early goings, if you're a coach, you just play it safe with people. And then eventually you start getting a feel for it. But it's, it's yeah. easier said than done, isn't it? It is. And, and when you, when you do this, so I mean, obviously things are working out for you if you're squatting when you're squatting or totaling when you're totaling. So, so you didn't, you, but in terms of nutrition, um, do you have a nutrition coach you're going to reach out to or are you going to do that by yourself as well? Oh, I'm a friend, Tay. He's an uh, IFBB pro. Oh, okay. He's on my diet for me. Okay, so you're, you're pretty much set then. Yeah. If that's the case, you got an IB, IFBB pro. Uh, yeah, he knows a damn thing or two. Look at bodybuilding something I got absolutely no interest in trying to do. With those people, you want to talk about discipline. We go to the gym, we smash weights, but it's fun. If we're honest, it's pretty yeah. fun. There's nothing fun about training for a bodybuilding competition. It's not. I watch them suffer. <laughs> it's suffering. They, they, yeah. they, get, they get so low that um, their hormones get thrown off because their body weight, their their body fat is so low. Yeah. Like it's it's, and if you're a woman bodybuilder, yeah. it can get really difficult. 
You know, it can, it can super get difficult on you in terms of like your hormones get thrown off. You don't feel you like you anymore. That freeze on you, sir? I'll, I'll take that as a yes. Yeah. You back? Okay, <laughs> I think we got a little delay. Yeah. Can you hear me? And see kind of breaking me up a little bit. Okay, okay, cool. Sometimes it's breaking it, up a little bit. Sometimes it buffers um, when there's movement in front of the camera, and I get excited and start talking with my hands. Yeah. But but we should be good. Are we good right now? We're good. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just saying how uh, bodybuilding, man. I'm glad. Like in terms. Even the weightlifting section in terms of bodybuilding, when you feel like, like every, I, I don't mind when you have that quote unquote bodybuilding day. I don't know how much of that you do when you're like lifting for a pump, accessory work, you do a biceps, triceps, back, shoulders, shrugs, whatever the shit. And I like the feeling of it when you, the pump, you know, the blood flows to the muscles, the soreness in the muscles, and it's gratifying. Yeah. Um, that's fun. But when you're prepping for a bodybuilding show and you're dieting down, and your hormones are out because your body's not taking in enough calories, and things are not working like they were working before, fuck it, let's throw it out there. I got buddies who bodybuild, and they're like, look, in the last three weeks, you're not getting, you're not getting it up, you're not getting an erection, you're not, things are, because your hormones are fucked, and things are, this is shit that people don't talk about. For women, you're not getting your period, you have mood swings, your hormones are fucked. You go into the gym in that, your release in terms of weightlifting is basically gone because it doesn't feel good. You have you have so little energy, you don't even appreciate, you know, the the you know doing bias tries back and all the rest of it. It's just all of it's not fun. It's just freaking terrible. Yeah, they added in the hour and a half cardio sessions. <laughs> oh, man, I know. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely yeah. nothing in terms of discipline. When I was when I first started cutting for eighty three. I also got a bodybuilder. My buddy Scott McClellan was was doing it for me. And I was like, I'm not complaining about shit right now to this guy. Because he does bodybuilding shows. And you feel sheepish when you talk about, oh, it's so hard to go into the gym on this low calories. And he's like, oh, really? Okay. You Will you try when you hit the real skids and your body's shutting down in every other way. And then go to the gym and do all that. And then you talk to me. Yeah. So I was not complaining whatsoever. <laughs> It's a whole nother deal. Do you do a lot of accessory work, like buys, tries, backs, yeah. stuff like that? I take I like, I like training all this stuff like, like a bodybuilder. I, you know what? So even though I know doing like biceps are going to get work when I do back anyways, and I do man, I do all those. Um, even yeah. though I know it doesn't necessarily hit my lifts, and I could save myself 15, 20 minutes of doing biceps or doing whatever the shit. I also like to just out of a I get it's satisfying for me again to get the pump going in there and I enjoy that process. It doesn't yeah. doesn't look at hitting your bicep is not going to hit your nervous system, so it's going to impact your squat negatively. If people are like well, that's energy you could use for the other lifts, man, do a biceps isn't going to impact your nervous system. It doesn't do nothing negative. It's only if I want to look a certain way or if I just. I like the process of it, or I like both. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. That's how I feel. I, I don't know. Like, outside of the, the, main, the main three lifts, I, I like training everything bodybuilding style. Like, it's fun. It's fun for me, at least. Yeah. But you look at If you don't enjoy the part, 
with the amount of time you're going to spend in the gym, if you're not enjoying it, like it what's, what's the point? That's that's one thing that sometimes I've lost. Where if it's a big competition and I get a little too ahead of myself and I take it a little too seriously, I don't always enjoy the process like I should. And that's like you know what that's here's some advice for in life in general. Don't fucking take yourself too seriously. It's yeah. it's not you're not we're not changing the world. It's all personal goals, personal games, which is great. But because it is only personal, enjoy it because it's just for yourself. You know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like oh, I'm going to let this person down, or I'm going to let these people down, and then you feel pressure, you feel stressed, you feel anxiety, and and you're you're blowing it up in your head. You're taking it far too serious. Those people yeah. that you're thinking of, they're cheering for you, but it's not going to change their world. They don't care as much as you think you do. Nobody cares more than you do. So just enjoy yourself. You know, do, do, if it feels good, do it. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't get in your own way. Yeah, start turning hobbies into to a job. Dude, you know what I mean? Life, yeah. I think the older I get, the more I realize not to take myself so seriously. Yeah. You know, just, just, I mean, it is, it's an easier way to, to approach things and, and bounce back on things. Like going into these nationals. Did you know, like, how was your mental prep? Were you thinking, man, I'm going to push Ray? And how did you, what was your prep going into it like that? I was just, what about my my best me? Like, I I knew it was going to, I was looking forward to having having a great me. I was like, okay, this is his bounce back me. Yeah. So in my my head, I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to sit. I'm ready to have a thousand pound squat in front of um, me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't, but going, I want to say that, like, uh, um, like Norman Lionel, I was like, okay, it's me and Ray. Because at that point, Jason, Jason had moved down to the 120. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's me and Ray, and I got to <laughs> just try, try to hold my own. <laughs> is it, is it, what's it like, you know, the night before? Because it happened pretty quick, man. In terms of that time when you were backspotting him and you're sweating bullets to a few years later – you're squatting before he's squatting. And, I mean, that's a pretty big turnaround the night before and the week leading up and the day of. Like, what are some of these emotions when you're in the warm-up room? You look across and this. That's Ray Williams. You know, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wow, well, here we go. It's different. It, it, it's way different than um, t- 2016 National Raw Nationals. I, I lived in the, the, main, the regular events. I didn't live in the prime time. Yeah. So, Going from seeing him then to actually being beside him warming up, it's a whole different thing. It's, it's almost like, wow, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> it's, 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 you know what? If that's what you think, imagine what he thinks. He sees you and he's like, oh shit, this guy came up pretty quick. Yeah, it, it's, it's nice to, um, I, I guess, being there, being there, it's nice to see someone lifting close to what you're lifting for once. Yeah. Or lifting, lifting more than what you're lifting. It's almost like a, a motivation is like okay, he's squatting more than me. Okay, now now it's pushing me to, to, to squat squat more than I squat right now. That's right. Yeah, I mean it's just like in a race. If you're so far ahead of everybody else, you're gonna drag your feet a little bit. You can't help it. It's really hard for sprinters. Uh, a lot of people. There's a reason why there's you know pacers in terms of like horse racing, etc. Yeah. Because they're chasing something. If you don't have something to chase, it's human nature. It's animal nature. That's when you start dragging your feet. 
A lot of yeah. times we don't even know what we're capable of until you push back on the wall and you're like, I got to fucking figure this out. I got to dig yeah. deep. I need to. If you don't ever tell yourself that, and this is kind of going back to earlier part of the discussion where when you stay in the comfort zone and you're afraid to kind of let yourself get out of pocket and extend, yeah. if you don't have someone else there, you know, it's a whole nother deal. And it's, the wins aren't nearly as satisfying when no one else yeah. is there. You know, they, you need each other, right? Yeah. And it's a, so, so when, do you talk to Ray? I don't. No? Okay. Don't, don't, don't. Is, is it easier that way to not talk to each other? No, I, um, I, I, never, I never reached out to him. Hmm. So I probably could talk to him. I, I talked to some of the other uh, super heavies, yeah. but uh, I, never, I never reached out to Ray. And do, do you think, like, do you prefer, because some people don't like to talk to their competitors, or does it not even matter to you? It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I, I, I mean, I can, it really doesn't super matter. On the day of, I'm just going to get my mind right and I don't need, yeah. I don't need a certain amount of friction. I don't need to be friends. I don't need, it doesn't either which way is fine with me. Yeah. And, and what did you, what did you end up totaling? What's your biggest total today? Is it nine? Is me nine? Uh, 21.05. Sorry? Uh, my biggest total or biggest squad? Or, or no, how much in terms of kilos? Oh, kilos? I'm breaking up the calculator of my American yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, let me see. 955. Oh, snap. Okay, that's what I thought. So what are we looking at for 2020? What are some of your goals then? I want, I want, I want to total over 2200. Like like close to like twenty two sixty. Is that is that a thousand kilo? Yeah, it's over a thousand kilos. Okay, because you know that thousand kilo club. Look at this is fucking crazy. At one point, you were getting slaps on the back for joining the thousand pound club for total, and now and now we're talking thousand kilo club. I mean, talk yeah. about some progress, but um, it's a fairly exclusive club to join a thousand kilo. Yeah. And, and I mean, here's a. It's tough because you don't know when that's going to be, given the situation. October. If it's not October, it'll be in the jump somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might as well, right? And if you've got a guy yeah. like like um, Johnny Graham there, and he's calling it, and that's as good as calls as you're going to get, and honest as calls as you're going to get anyways. If you do a mock meet in the gym, and you got an official like that around Yeah. Where are you training out of right now? I'm in Savannah at Iron Body's gym. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And how far away from that is Texas? 13 hours, 14 hours. Oh, snap. Okay, man. That's a little, that's a little, that's a bit of a drive, sir. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's so many people on powerlifting in Georgia. In, in Georgia, in general, it's, it's so many powerlifters. Is there? Yeah. No kidding. What kind like, of... What kind of crew you got? Who's in your crew? Who's your squad? Oh, that, oh, um, as in what? As in at your gym. Who who are your gym boys? Uh, got Alex and Nina Meyer. Uh, got you got. It's a lot of powerlifters. A lot of people that stop coming right now. A lot of people like freshly into powerlifting. And do you guys hang out outside the gym and everything too? Not really. 
Yeah, because it's it's some some people do some some people get tight, and you got like clicks that are like your power yeah. crew become your friends the whole nine. And some people it's just yeah. mostly in the gym, but you see each other all the time anyway, so that's kind of enough, right? Yeah. Yeah, I stay in the gym all the time, so that's the, that's the most I need to see him. Well, that's that's kind of it. When you're out of the gym, sometimes yeah. you need a little away time, a little me time going. Yeah. So you're looking. Do do you think? Do you when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you think about where you want to be because you made so much progress so quickly? What are some of the goals you got long term? Long term? Can you do short term first? Let's do short term, my man. Let's do short. Okay, let's do short term. Right. <laughs> let's let's assume Raw Nationals is going to happen as well, and, and yada yada. Yeah, I want to. I want to at least call like nine, like nine sixty, nine sixty, nine seventy. Okay. Like I think it depends on the energy. It depends. Like if the energy is right because you know the energy dies down for the big boys, and at this so? point, everyone's right. Yeah, everyone's ready to go home at that point. Then Sunday. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, Sometimes. Yeah. So, um, at least like nine sixty, because the nine oh four move, nine oh three move fast. So, like at least like nine sixty, um, like five sixty, five seventy on bench, and try to get my deadlift together. <laughs> try to get your deadlift together. It's funny the deadlift is so it's difficult for big dudes, because um, I mean you're, you're when you're such a large person trying to get compact that low to the ground is not yeah. easy. Leverages. It's leverages. Going back to leverages, man. It's like when you got guys in other weight class. Look, we got 105ers who are five six, five seven, and they're 105ers. You know, when you're a six foot for powerlifting, you're you're a monster. So when you got to go and and the bar is the same height off the ground for this dude who's five six as it is for the dude who's six foot. So it gets harder and harder the bigger the man. Now you're six foot, three fifty. Trying to get down there, I mean that's a, that's a lot of calm. You got to compact a lot of man to get that it's bar. Hard. <laughs> it's hard. Have you have you messed around with different things like sumo and stuff like that to try to alleviate the getting compact, or you're just not about that life? I tried sumo once. It's, it's like one thing to play around with. Like I, if I just go in the gym and just want to BS a little bit, I pull sumo a couple times, but I never really took it. I never really thought about switching to sumo. Yeah, it, it's. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, like, when people on Instagram are like, sumo's easier, sumo's cheating, um, and they're like, and they're like, well, if sumo's not easier, how come that sumo deadlifter's conventional deadlift is so much lower than their sumo? And then my retort to that is, my friend, I'm a conventional deadlifter, and, um, I mean, I'm a massive lifter, but I'm breaking national records, and, and if you make me pull sumo, my deadlift drops, man. My deadlift is, I don't deadlift... It's not easier. It doesn't, it doesn't, boo, if you took time to get better at it. No, man. Leverage-wise, if you make me pull sumo, like, it, like we were talking about Caffrey earlier who broke IPF world records pulling. Yeah. He pulls conventional. And people are like, yeah, he pulls conventional because he doesn't want to, you know, lower himself to pull sumo. So I respect that. Nah, man, I've seen my man pull sumo. It's not, his deadlift is dropping like 150 pounds. It's not. That's not the way it works. It's it's all leverages. Yeah. It's, it's more technique to uh, sumo too. At least yeah. with, with conventional, we can muscle it up. Yeah. With, with sumo, you follow the groove, you out of the groove, you losing the lift. You fucked. No, no. Yeah. You're right. It is. Um, it's a double edged sword where the leverages are going to help for you. But even at the top, man, you see people like Sean Noriega hits that yeah. sumo pull, and at the top, you start teetering a little bit. Yeah. It's, 
He's losing it. That's a wrap, son. Because you can't, yeah. you don't have, because your feet are spread. You know, you don't have your balance. Like, just obviously, right? When your feet are under you in a natural position and you're pulling conventional, man, you could scrap it out. If it turns into a dog fight, you're going to scrap it out right to the top. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're good. Very few people get bobbled at the top when it comes to conventional. But when it comes yeah. to sumo, you could fly all the way up to the top, have a little bobble, a little down up on the position, and that good pull is out the window. Exactly. You know? And in terms of, like, the leveraging and the setup for sumo, it is like, do you do the hip pump? Do you not do the hip pump? Do you just sit back? <laughs> is your torso, what's the angle of your torso? Is yeah. it is it like a Sean Noriega straight up, or is it like a deadlift panda, Yang Su Ren, where he kind of looks like he's somewhat like an Angelo as well does, where you're almost a mixture of sumo conventional. Conventional, for the most part, is just fucking... It's almost all the same. Right? Yeah. It's almost all. It's it's literally the setup is damn near the same when you're pulling. It is. It's a whole lot easier. It's actually an easier pull if you ask me. It is. Leverage wise. Um. So those are your short term goals. And are we are we thinking? Look at 2019. You push Ray, and, and and you put everybody on notice. 2020. Do you think you, is this an opportunity for for you to make a play and possibly take that gold at the U.S. Raw Nationals? I'm, I'm putting my best on the line. <laughs> it's, I put you on the spot, didn't I? I put you on the spot, yeah. and I was looking for a Conor McGregor prediction, a Muhammad Ali prediction. Uh, but so you put your best on the line. You're shooting for it, though. Yeah. It's it's look. Put it this way. It's no disrespect to Ray Williams to say, oh, I'm coming to win. It's no, and, and Ray probably expects that. You, yeah. Would you say you were getting closer and closer to that, to that level? Every yeah. year you get closer and closer. Do you think 2020, you're within shot on a good day that it's now it's now a realistic goal to say, you know what, I think I can win in 2020? I'm, I'm trying to push myself to that point. It, yeah. I'll be... I'll be Cheat myself up and said I, I don't want to go for gold. Yeah. Because no no one shoots for second place. Yeah. Well. But at the same time, I'm. I'm, I'm some people do shoot for second. <laughs> some people do. So, 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 some people shoot for second place, but everyone really wants first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so. Fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm shooting for it. I'm trying to tear my ass off trying to get there. Yeah, I mean, isn't it? Isn't it? It it feels probably different. Going from 2018 to 2019, you know, yeah. um, when, when you're when you're making your goals, and you like you said, everyone wants first. Well, when you're going from 2018 to 2019, and you wanted first, it was probably like, ah, fuck, man, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll take it if it's there, but I don't know. Whereas going from 2019 to 2020, it's gonna start. Look at every year; it's gonna start feeling a little different for you now. You're yeah, going I think. Yeah, I think it's like. Uh... When someone's that far ahead, it's hard. Like you gotta be logical with yourself. It's like, you know, on a good day, you already know you already know how it's gonna go. Yeah. But like we see, every every day comes with different with different results. Yeah. So it could be a good day, could be a bad day. You never know. Just gotta come come ready to do what you need to do. And that's that's the beauty of it, and also the tough part of it when it comes to powerlifting. Look, at, you're a football dude. How many how many games in a year you play football and you can you can lose a game. You can have an off day yeah. or you can have a good game and you could be ranked 
way lower in the division, but you beat the number one rank because you had a fucking good day. They had a bad day. Yeah. Over the course of X amount of games, it can kind of smooth out. The curve gets smoothed out, and it is what it is. Flip side, in powerlifting, boxing, MMA, stuff like that, where you only compete two to three times a year, you have a good fucking day, that could change your year. Yeah. Flip side, you have a bad fucking day. You're like, oh, damn, I got to wait a long time to write this wrong. Yeah. It's, um, so, so we know your short-term goals. And now, going into two, 2019, it would have you would have felt a little more bashful to say, hey, look, I'm coming for the win. Or, or yeah. other people might not have taken it as serious. Now they share a shit better. Everybody's going to take it serious if you're like, look, I would like to put myself in position. If the win's there, I would like to eat that food. Thank you very much. Yeah. People got to take that seriously now. Long term. What are we talking yeah. now? What are we talking now? I'll let you say it, but I'll give my personal opinion. Um, and I'm a huge Ray Williams fan. We had Ray Williams on the show. Um, we've had Jezza on the show, who's the current IPF world champion. These dudes are phenomenal guys. Um, so, so, but if you're looking at the bigger picture, the world is your oyster, young man. You, you are capable. You know, you, you, with your 955, you know, looking at the European championships, we had Ras Sims as well, who's the European champion on the show as well. And um, you bring that total up into the 1,000 kilo range and beyond. We're talking, you know, that's, that's IPF world championship worthy. That's yeah. that's a possibility to be the strongest man in the IPF on any given year. You 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 would be you get into the thousand kilo range. Depends on what other people bring, but this is sports. Somebody has an off day, or someone has a great day, but you have a great day. We're getting closer and closer to that kind of talk. So I'm kind of bumping you up and gassing my man up a little bit, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is when the host is leading. This is when the host is leading and, and, and prepping you, but um. What is what is your long term goals, man? When you when you're how old are you? Twenty five. All right, so you're a young ass man in your prime. I'm forty. Okay, I'm old. I passed my prime. I'm beat up. Okay, when you're forty and you're looking back, what do you want to have achieved? I want to have one of the top totals of all time. That's that's one of my goals. Oh damn! You want it all? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's within reach. I feel like um, my goal by, by next year, I want to be, I want to attempt a thousand pounds. I, I want to be one of the youngest that attempt it. Because everyone else is close to 30 or 30 plus. Yeah. So be one of the first, be one of the youngest and one of the largest people to, to attempt a thousand pounds. That's one of my goals. Look at man, you hit 903, um, 410, and a thousand pounds is 455, I believe. And your yeah. progress, your rate of adaptation, from a few years ago, the guy backspotting, who wasn't even close, to now, it's definitely on the table at yeah. 25 years old. And do you see, do you see yourself, when you picture, are you that world champion? One day. One day it's coming, eh? Yeah. I'm being patient. Yeah, well, I mean, look at a few no, 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 I'll say patient. I'm, I'm being patient with my body. Yeah. Because being healthy is the main thing that gets me there. Isn't it, man, isn't it tough when you're rocking and rolling and the weights are flying and you literally arrive that momentum you're like, I can't fucking even wait to get to that gym. I, can't, I don't even know yeah. what I'm going to hit, but you get excited. Like, I can't wait to get yeah. in that gym and see what I'm going to push. 
And then that's yeah. when the patience and the maturity kicks in where it's like, whew, uh, I feel like I want to load something crazy right now, but you've got to be patient. Yeah, that, that happened during my prep. Um, I did the 880 in the gym. Back then, I was like, man, I want to do 900 right now. Yeah, oh, I bet. Then I was like, oh, all right, I take it off the bar. We're done for the day. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who said that? Was that you or Johnny Green? That, that was me. Um, Johnny's in Texas. I'm in Georgia right now. Okay. So, um, so I was like, all right, low, low 880. I did it. And when the man looks good, I'm like, ah, I went down for the day. <laughs> He's a, well, I mean, that's 400 kilo. You joined a 400 kilo club. So, you know, it's those little, look at the, t- the hardest ones to walk away from are those nice round numbers, aren't they? Like, yeah. I, I don't think, I, here's, here's a little revealing tidbit of me. I don't think in my life I've ever loaded 495 pounds, which is 225 kilo. For everyone around the world who doesn't use pounds, 225 kilo, whatever, doesn't mean too much. It's not a big round number. But if you use pounds, it's 495, 496. I don't think ever in my life I've loaded that. I've always put on the cookie and we're talking 500. You know what I mean? You never, whatever working weight it is, it just sounds better to enter into the next round number. Just psychologically, it's something. Yeah, it's um, just like at um, the, the Arnold. I was like, everyone's like, so what's your, what's your third attempt? I'm like, uh, we can go like eight. Like, <laughs> I, I was afraid of 900. Like, in my head, I was like, I never touched 900 in the gym. I don't want to touch in the competition. So it was like, I was like, let's do 895. 896. Was it 896 in kilos? See, see what? <laughs> isn't it? Look, it works on the flip side too, where in terms <clears> of PRs, when you get close to that barrier, I remember when I first started, there was a 500 barrier where it's just like, I would be hitting right below it all the time. You load up 500, and I don't know what the hell it was. I got nervous. Yeah. It's it's that. Look, we see it in sports. We see it in sports all the time. All different sports, all different barriers come at them. And yeah. mentally, when it's a personal note even, once you break the barrier, you're good. Sometimes it is that you tell the coach, like, look, it's low, but you're going to load. I don't want to know what it is. Let me approach yeah. it. I know it's a third attempt. I know it's probably a PR, let me see. But there's something, fuck me, I don't know what's going to happen when you got a 1,000 pounds on your back. And you might try to be like, tell your coach, don't tell me. But you know, Gino's there, the crowd's there. You're going to end up finding, when people, when you hit the platform, when people react to a 1,000 pounds, you'd be like, what the hell is on the bar? Something big. Yeah. It's just, um, I feel like I'm, I'm to the point now where if I say the number, it's coming up. Like, if I put it on, like I've, I've never felt a spot before. So if I put it on my back, I, I know it's coming up. You've never, not even in the gym? No, I never felt, never felt a squat. So as of right now, we don't know. You might be a 2,000-pound squatter. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. No. I never failed yet. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the one that, I feel like adrenaline, adrenaline can carry me so far. So even, like at World Nationals this year, if, I, if my adrenaline's right, I might push close to 1,000. Yeah. But... You never know until the, the moment comes. Yeah. It, like, how close do you want to get in the gym before you load a 1,000? Where you think comfortably, because, I mean, you, you'll probably hit heavier weight on the platform than yeah. you do in the gym. How close do you think you want to see in the gym to actually be bold enough to be like, throw a 1,000 on there? Where you're like, you know what, it's realistic now. I'll say, like, if I, cause if I can hit, like, 940, not fit, if it like not, if I can hit like over nine for a double, I feel like I'd be comfortable paying like a thousand on the bar. Yeah, mentally we all need certain things like that, eh? When we're yeah. chasing something and it's like if I hit this for a double, 
I'm not afraid of this for a singer. Yeah. We all got something like that. Yeah. Abroad. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like, you never, you never think about this day. Like, in my head, I was like, okay, when I hit 900 pounds on squat, I'm dying. And I was like, okay, when I hit 1,000 pounds on squat, I'm dying. <laughs> it never ends, man. You're 25. No. What does your family think now that you're doing this? They support it. Yeah, they, they um, everyone's behind me with it. And, but do they, do they think, are they ever like, holy shit, man, I can't believe how damn strong you are. Do you realize how strong you are? Do you realize that there's like a handful of humans who could do, do what you do or do more than you do? Uh, this is the thing when you're a super heavyweight. There's a hand, my man, there's a handful of people who could do what you do. Does that ever dawn on you when you're walking around like, holy shit, I am, you're not a 1%. You're a fraction of a one percent of walking the earth, and there's seven billion people. I, I don't really, I really pay attention to it. It's um, I feel like it's, it's easier for me to train not knowing how stronger I am. Yeah, man, it's uh, that's good. It's gonna keep you humble. It's gonna keep the ego yeah. in check. But you, <laughs> it's weird to think like I don't know what it'd be like knowing that I'm a human being who could do do that. Like you yeah. literally are. There's seven billion people in the world, man. And you are amongst, you're the top 10 strongest men in the world. That's pretty fucking crazy to think about. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally, I mean, especially in the sport of powerlifting. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and if you hit that IPF throne, like your goals are, I don't know. It's going to be one of those self-actualization moments when you actually hit certain goals and you look back and you're like, for real, try to, maybe you can't even put it in perspective. Maybe it's too big to try to wrap your head around and put that in yeah. perspective. It's, I think it's just one of those things where you just you wait for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's man, it's life, man. You drop moment yeah. to moment, right? Don't yeah, overthink exactly. it. Don't overthink it. You know what? Maybe overthinking it is when things you start taking the fun out of it, and you start, you know, things start getting a little too serious and a little too. Yeah. And your position is a good position because you have Ray Williams, who's got you know he's one of the biggest dynasties in powerlifting. He's on ESPN. He's doing all these things. So he, when we go into a competition, it's not the worst thing in the world to be that underdog, to be number two. So the number one, he's the one carrying a whole lot more pressure. He's the one carrying a whole lot more expectation. If you lose and it's a close battle, people talk about it like it's a moral win. So the yeah. pressure's not there. Uh, yeah. I feel like the, uh, the two bad boys don't, we don't, we don't get the eye like that, like everyone else. Like when someone's when someone dominates for so long, no one else is relevant. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's how it is. Been super heavyweight, but no one's relevant until you make yourself relevant. It's and when you're the underdog, like it is, it uh, it alleviates. You can operate in darkness, and then you yeah. show up. You show up at and, and the spotlight's on, but you don't have to deal with too much pressure, too much, all the things that come with that. But it'll be interesting, man, because you know a few years from now. You guys could be like Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, or Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali type deal. Choose your sport in terms of rivalry where yeah. it's different once that happens. And it's it's a whole lot more pressure. When you look at individuals who are in that, like Brett Gibbs, Russell Orhey, and yeah. the showdowns come. And it's no law, it feels different when people are like, oh my God, I can't wait until these guys clash. And this is like yeah. the Titans clashing. And, um, you know, it's, it'll, right now you don't have to operate like that. But in the future, God knows, man, it could be like that where you're like, holy smokes, everybody's talking about this clash. Everybody's talking about this yeah. shit now. 
and then we'll see. It, it's exciting, man. It makes it. I think the big yeah. boys need it. I think the one twenty plus need it. You know, like you said for a yeah. long for a long time, it was the Ray Williams show, and nobody believed. Um, now, if you could, if you could give that little boost, it helps the sport. You know, it helps everybody. Yeah. Including. Yeah, I feel like uh, everyone's gonna be. I feel like the super heavyweights gonna put on the show this year. It's a lot of people come out come out the woodworks. Yeah. Hey, look at Jezza's training yeah. has been going well again too on the international stage. Yeah. Jezza, Rasim, you guys are all getting neck and neck, man. You know, yeah. and Jezza at his at his peak when Jezza's because he's dealing with injury. Um, I mean, he's a thousand pound squatter, four hundred fifty five kilo squatter as well, and and got some massive totals. You guys, if you're all, if you guys ever get to the point where it's it's anybody's game on anybody's day, in twenty twenty could be that. Twenty twenty one, moving ahead, you guys are all young as well. I mean, that, I think the sport. That's when ESPN's going to have some exciting coverage. Look, yeah. we, Brett and, and, and Russell and all the and you know about all the seventy fours that I've hyped up plenty. Everybody lets me know I'm I'm all over the seventy fours lately. Yeah. But it's because of showdowns. Um, people, this is sport. You want to see? I don't want to watch a game that's landslide exactly. victory on one side. Showdowns. If the super heavyweights can turn into that, man, that's going to take us all to the top level. I feel like it's going to be one this year at World Nationals. I think, dude, I feel it too. Yeah, because you have Joseph Pena coming back. Oh. You have uh, you have Dowry. He, he he's on. Uh, he told us he told us twenty one oh five a couple weeks ago. So it's it's a lot of people pushing close to that nine hundred pound squat because you got Pena already over nine hundred. You got Dowry pushing close to over nine hundred. So you might have like five squats over nine hundred pounds at World Nationals. And this is it. And if it turns into that at the world level as well, you know, it turns yeah. into that at the national level, turns into that, to that at the world level because the rest of the world catches up as well, that's when we're going to start popping up in other places because people, yeah. the weights you guys move are ungodly. It doesn't make sense to the public. When the public sees people with a 900 pounds on their back, 1,000 pounds on their back, 410 kilo, 455 kilo, it's like, what the hell are we talking about here? This is incredible. Yeah. And if they watch multiple men battling out it's like watching Battle of a Clash of the Titans. It's like watching, yeah. it's like something that you make up in your head, but it doesn't even seem real. So yes, you will tune in to watch that. Exactly. Whereas if it's a one-man show, it's good. You, you, you come for watching one man, and then you turn it off. That's right. That's right. It's yeah. not like, it's like, it feels more like an exhibition when it's a one-man, one-woman show in any sport, right? Exactly. Yeah. I feel you, man. Listen, we've had you for over 90 minutes. Uh, greatly appreciated. I know you ain't going nowhere because of COVID-19, but still, you know, you could be, be watching Netflix or some shit, so I, I'm thankful for coming on. If people, a couple things, If first off, do you coach other people? Oh, a couple, a couple people in the gym, just in the gym. Okay, so you're not, you're not I was going to give you a shout out of people if you want to throw out your services, but are you open for people online coaching or no? I am. Okay, well, get, let people know, um, A, how they can follow you in your journey. And if you guys like people smashing some massive weights, my man's Instagram, etc. So, how do people watch, follow your journey, and approach you for online coaching? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Country Muscle with a K, so K O U N T R Y Muscle underscore O G, and that's my Instagram. Even on YouTube, Trevor Thomas. Okay, and and uh, is there anybody? And you got O G in there, my man. You an O G already, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, also, is there any sponsors or anyone else you want to thank? Give a shout out while everybody's listening. Uh, just my local gyms, uh, Iron Body's Gym and uh, the Zoo. There it is. Good enough. Listen, my man. 
thank you very much for coming on. Muchly appreciated. I'm excited to see 2020. We got to get this COVID-19 in check because I want to see what my man can do on the platform. Uh, I'm ready for it, man. Appreciate you having me on. I bet you are. No, no doubt. All right, let's stay, stay safe, stay inside, stay clean, and we'll keep in touch, my friend. All right, man. See you, buddy. Trey Thomas. Good kid, Billy. He's, he's, uh, he's a nice guy. But, yeah, he, he really popped up. 2019 was a massive breakthrough year for Trey. Um, I mean, we knew he was strong. We knew he was capable. But when you battle that with Ray Williams – it was it was a battle. Look, Ray Ray took gold. Ray's right. Ray's going right. The guy the guy, you know, aside from the world, my man just doesn't lose. You know, he's he's the epitome of consistency. But Trey gave him something. You know, Trey gave him something to think about. And um, and it is exciting in terms of our sport needs. It needs competitiveness. You know, and hopefully in 2020 we see a good battle and and all the fellas in the in the 120 plus step it up for the Raw Nationals. And if the can you imagine what it would be like if the USAPL Raw Nationals in 120 plus resembled the 74 kilos, boys? Can you imagine? How fucking exciting would that be? You know? And I, I mean, in terms of personality-wise, um, I, I don't know who we got out there. Can you imagine this? If you had a 120 kilo lifter who was like... Ricky Cho, the villain. And then you have a 120 kilo lifter who's like Atwood, you know, that that king who's been on top. And, um, you know, people are like, oh, he's so arrogant and smug. I can't wait till he loses, you know? And it's, I mean, it's not, Atwood ain't arrogant. He's confident. But that's how people sometimes want to perceive it, you know? And um, it's all about perception because Ricky Cho, obviously, in real life, isn't a villain. But look, it's all in how, what you present. But can you imagine as well where the 120 pluses, turns into like this cast of characters larger than life both literally and figuratively you know holy smokes man i think that'd be like that's crazy exciting that's why the wwe wwf whatever you want to call it is these guys are like superhuman clash of the titans you know and, and, and the world's strongest man and whatnot i mean it's it's uh that's what makes it so thrilling to watch and and if we can have the 120 pluses who you know, I mean, it's that competitive. And we start pumping them on these podcasts. And, you know, and we, we see all the different personalities, all the different background stories. You don't got to be, look, I said before, I'll say it again. You don't got to be like Ricky Joe talking shit and the 74 Kilo Boys talking shit. You just got to talk your story. And that's enough to gain fans. You tell me your story and I hear your background story. <sighs> You don't got to say much, man. I mean, like, I feel this. I'm, I identify with that background story. I identify with this struggles. I identify with him coming back from this injury. I identify, you know, this underdog. And you cheer for it. Or on the flip side, if it's Ray Williams. And he's like, well, he's a favorite. How do you identify with Ray Williams? Well, have you ever come back from some struggle like that? Have you ever reached and fell in front of everyone else? And some people actually celebrate your failure. And some people are happy to see you go down. We love to build up a hero. We love to tear him down or kick him when he falls, right? Say him or her. And, and now all of a sudden, Ray Williams seems vulnerable. And when you show that vulnerability, when Superman gets his, when Superman falls and he falls, oh, fuck, man. Now all of a sudden, this is an opportunity for Ray to have more fans than ever. It's hard to identify with, with Superman, isn't it? 
it's a lot easier to identify with the guy who fumbles and has faults. And, and, and this is an opportunity for Ray and for us to jump on Ray's side. You need a trade, Thomas, that's nipping on his heels, and now he's in the battle, and now you're afraid. And now if you're a Ray Williams fan, you're, you're generally afraid. You need that, man. Ray needs it. Trey needs it. You know, all these other fellas, Peanut coming in. You know, the, 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 these young dudes rising up, representing the next generation. And then look on the world scene. You know, you got guys like Ras Sims coming out of Estonia. How many world-class athletes coming out of Estonia? People love stories like that. You know, that's the little engine that could story. I mean, calling Ras Sims a little engine might be a bit of a reach, but what I'm saying is in terms of the underdog coming from a place where we just don't have sporting heroes like that. So when we battle these, these Americans, we're battling the Giants. You know, you, you, that's what you need to make it interesting in any sport. If the 120-pluses can get that, that's what I'm looking for. You know, when I talk about you need to cast the characters. You don't got to be Ricky Cho. You don't got to be Austin Perkins. You know, when my man unclasped that belt and damn near moonwalks back from his deadlifts. If that's not you, you don't got to fake the pizzazz. Just be you. And oftentimes, that's enough. You know, that's enough. We just need it competitive and to push them on podcasts and push them on reposts. And, and to voice their stories and their background stories are enough, man. So hopefully we see it. You know, it made the best man win. You really can't lose whoever wins. You know, if Trey ends up winning, the guy's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal story. Ray ends up winning, the guy's also a phenomenal story in terms of comeback story. You know, world on the world scene, Jezza, I mean, it was a phenomenal, good for Jezza. Um, you know, he's grinding year in, year out, and it finally pays off, and he was badly injured when he just dug deep a gutty performance and he won it. Rat Sims picks it up and brings a world title to Estonia. You know, what that means for the Estonian people, man, it's, it's huge. So you can't lose. As a fan, we can't lose. We just need, it, it, it means it's better when all shit rides. And in saying that, please do post this if you're listening in, in your Instagram stories. Please do subscribe. Because guys like Trey Thomas deserve this. You know, and everybody that we feature on this deserve this. It's appreciated. Because we're trying to push everything forward. So post it. I'll repost it. You know, help out and do your part as well. And we'll keep giving you this content. It is much appreciated for everybody who always tunes in and listens. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Six-pack lap of that. Peace.